Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Justin. I love your show. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm, I have a question about Google. Is it a good time to buy it? And provides unbiased answers. This is rolling over. The technicals are terrible. Uh, the fundamentals are weakening. So, absolutely not. Uh, not one that I would be investing in right now. Invest Talk. Over 41 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, May 9th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I am Justin Klein, and I am looking forward to this hour with you, answering your finance and investment questions and giving you my straight and unbiased answers. No hidden agenda, just trying to give you the facts as I see them and trying to give you some perspective that will help you succeed in any market, but especially in today's markets, because we all want to find solutions to our our investing and and finance uh, issues today. And I'm certainly going to help you with that. I also want to help you understand your broad, uh, you know, broad strategy going forward longer term and how you should invest, give you the tools to make you a better investor. We're all not going to be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's about filling in the gaps of knowledge and the gaps in discipline. And oftentimes, those are the gaps that are most difficult to to fill, especially in a day and age where data is a plenty. It can be overwhelming sometimes how much data you can gather, especially uh, if you're with a certain broker that gives you good research, etc. You you can be overwhelmed uh, if you don't know how to take it all in and build a plan that is geared for your particular risk tolerance as well as your goals. So that's what I'm here to help you do is to give you the right discipline. And whether that discipline is not taking tips from your neighbor or your cousin or your brother, or maybe the discipline is to not listen to the headlines that you see and media, whether that's written or television, habit of watching Kramer or CNBC, and being swayed by the shiny objects, chasing returns. It's a great saying, which is, you can chase returns, but you'll never catch them. Fortunately, that's what most people try to do. And you're seeing right now, the flip side of chasing returns. And this is the exact reason why you never, nobody ever catches it is because as soon as it looks the most enticing, as soon as 
the emotion of greed creeps in and you are one with the herd and the herd's already jumped on board when that flips the other way as all things do as cycles always come in and out of favor always talk about the pendulum going back and forth and you need to be aware that that is a never-ending cycle it will happen the rest of your life as my grandfather would say no tree grows to the sky and when you get caught up in the fear and that greed you typically make bad decisions and so i want to be a sounding board that's why we take your calls and your questions so that we can understand what you're thinking and try to center you and that's the most important thing is to stay centered stay balanced and don't get emotional so on this podcast i'm going to offer with my mission statement which is always independent thinking and shared success to your assurance that no matter what i'm speaking about I'm always going to try to keep you centered, whether it's talking about the market as a whole, a particular sector, a strategy, all of it. I'm here to present it without bias, give you the pros and the cons, the risks and the rewards, so you can make an educated decision. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show. I can speak about whatever is on my mind, but that's not as important as what is on your mind. So call right now and interact with me with your uh, during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, I'm a new listener, and I just listened today and really enjoyed your discussion. And I have a question. Since interest rates are going up, Fed just increased a half a percentage point. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Hopefully, you know, you'd make more off of annuities now. And also, I would be going into fixed annuities, of course, but I know they charge a lot of fees, and I've been putting it off, but I'm 64 and I'm retired and need an extra line of money coming in. So I was wondering if a fixed annuity would be good now, and also if you would know a good company to go with. Thanks. Bye. Well, the first thing I would say is you are looking in the right direction if you're looking for safe, secure income, and that's fixed annuities, and you have that perspective. Unfortunately, 95% of people who buy annuities, probably more than that, are buying variable annuities. Why? Because the salesperson that sells it to them, uh, makes a lot more money off of universal life and whole life and uh, variable annuities than they do on fixed annuities. Fortunately, fixed annuities are probably the only thing people should be considering for the most part. Rare occasions, other ones, but very rare. So that's good. Now, interest rates are going up. And yes, that typically does mean that variable annuity interest also goes up. Because remember, there are insurance companies behind this, and they're investing the money. And they're going to earn some some spread. But the fact that they can invest the money now at higher rates, 
and lock in higher uh, rates means they'll they're gonna be able to pass along more to the annuity holder. Now, which one is best? I don't. I'm not gonna go into which annuity company is, is best, but I would just look at the AM best rating, make sure that it's uh, you know near the top, and you can go with that and, and try to find one. Make sure if you're you know look, shop around for rates. Um, do I think rates are going to go higher though? Longer term? Yeah, probably. So in the near term, I think it's a good time to uh, be investing or be going into fixed annuities if that's what you want and you want that guaranteed income, kind of like Social Security, right, where it's guaranteed. Uh, but is it still going to be a great investment? Probably not. Uh, but for specific people wanting that fixed income, yes, uh, now is much better than it was a couple of years ago. Let's head over to Will and talk with uh, Will in San Diego. He wants to talk about I-bonds. Good afternoon, Jason. Um, I'm uh, wondering what are I-bonds and is now a good time to invest? Well, I-bonds are savings bonds and they are linked to inflation. And there's there's some caveats to them. First is you can only buy $10,000 per year. So it's not, you know, if you have a good amount of money, uh, $10,000, if say, I don't know how, how much you have, but say you have a million dollars, $10,000 is only 1%. Uh, now you can buy that every year, but know that they're not that liquid. Uh, you can't sell them in the first year. And then within, uh, after that you can sell them, but you sacrifice interest, uh, and the rates are variable. So it's based on inflation rates that are in the market today. So while they have a juicy seven, eight, nine percent yield right now, that yield can easily fall back, back into the low single digits if inflation does moderate. So understand that the illiquid nature of it, the uh, lack of ability to buy much of it, uh, and then the large variability in the interest rate, and that interest rate will will reset every six months. Does that make sense, Will? Yeah, that makes a lot a lot of sense. So it's uh, it sounds like it's kind of a risky proposition then, and plus you're limited to only ten thousand bucks, which yep. is not much. I wouldn't say it's risky because you're not you're not really risking your principal. This is with the federal government, uh, and it's a you know decent way to hedge against inflation. But is it the best way to hedge inflation? I'd say probably not. But I wouldn't say it's risky at all. Just knowing that that variability with the interest rate is there and that you're not locking in some seven, eight, nine percent yield uh, like a lot of people think they are. Um, now, I do right. think inflation is going to be relatively higher than what we've experienced for the past 30 or 40 years uh, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, it might not moderate back down to that one or two percent rate. Maybe it uh, levels out at three or four, like uh, what I expect inflation to be longer term. But that's still much lower than a lot of people are expecting when they buy I-bonds today. So I wouldn't say it's risky. You just have to know the pros and cons and be willing to hold it longer term. Because like I said, you can't sell it within the first year. Thanks for the call. Now, I have good news for Invest Talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all-new April Rapid Fire Hour with 30 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. 
And now the InvestTalk phone lines are open for you. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Let's go talk to Jeffrey in El Paso, Texas, looking at Lazard, L-A-Z. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have a very small tracking position in it. I'm thinking about bumping it up to a uh, full position, long-term hold for a dividend, maybe some upside. was wondering what you thought about the, uh, the risk uh, versus reward on that. Okay, looking at Lazard, and this is a company in the financial services space. It's It started in 1848, so it's been around a long time, and it has a financial advisory business, kind of like what we do for clients, and it also has acquisition and restructuring uh, and asset management. Uh, the asset management is primarily equities, so about 80% equities, some international focus, and yeah, so it's has 40 uh, offices in 40 cities across 25 countries, 3000 employees. So pretty big company about uh, 3.7 billion dollar market cap. It does look pretty cheap uh, in, in my mind. Um, but you know, it doesn't really have uh, you know, an economic moat, but it, and it's going to be correlated with equity markets. So this is going to have a high beta and the beta right now is at 1.14 it is starting to make a a higher low um, and some divergence. And so technically, I'm starting to like a little bit of the strength, especially if you plot it against like the S&P. It's, it's definitely starting to uh, perk up here. And the valuation is pretty cheap, about $730 million in free cash flow on $3.7 billion market cap. Yeah, that's pretty cheap uh, and, and a nice 5.7% yield. So I'm going to give Lazard, L-A-Z, a thumbs up. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Now we're moving into a break, so don't go anywhere, especially Santos from Boston. Hang on, you'll be next up on Invest Talk. The rest of you, give me a call as well at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, 
Don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Santos in Boston and wants to talk about Facebook and Amazon. Hello? Yeah. Hi, Justin. Yeah. You looking to buy yeah, these or do you own them? Yeah. So I already uh, own like some of uh, Facebook and Amazon stocks. Uh, but now that uh, they are like uh, going down a lot, uh, I'm thinking of buying more. Uh, is it a good time to add more or should I hold on? Uh, I would hold off. Now, if I'm picking one or the other, I'm definitely picking Amazon over Facebook. I think Facebook is going to struggle with their transition into the metaverse and their existing platforms that are the driver of their their, their business uh, are struggling in, in, in finding competing platforms like, like TikTok uh, as uh, pretty formidable competitors. And that's what you've seen recently is that the Facebook platform has been dying for many, many years, uh, lower daily average users consistently. And what's been holding them up was their uh, was Instagram and uh, last earnings report. They showed not not a dramatic, but a small decline in average daily users on that platform, which is, uh, you know, if, if you now have your two main drivers in decline, that suddenly means you are going to be trading at a much lower multiple. And why, right now, while trading at about uh, 15 times earnings, uh, earnings are expected to drop 14% this year. So, And the technicals are atrocious for Facebook. So definitely not one that I would want to be owning. Now, Amazon, definitely better. Uh, but uh, they see I see a lot of issues as well with, with Amazon. Not only did they have negative cash flow this latest quarter because of uh, increasing wage pressures and uh, cost of transportation for prime, you know, uh, you know, deliveries for their their uh, their orders, uh, etc. But you also have regulatory risk on uh, crackdown on usage of data, and, and same with Facebook. And I think both are, are in that uh, in the crosshairs of regulatory scrutiny over time. And that worries me a bit as well. And it's just to go from $64.81 in earnings last year to $19 this year and bounce back next year. But still, uh, you know, where does this level out at and what type of regulatory headwinds do, would you see? So once again, neither of them get me excited to own. We haven't owned either of these for quite some time. And we think this is going to, these are both are going to go uh, lower. Uh, and it's just not a space, not an area that I'm excited about. So Amazon still has a $1.1 trillion market cap. Facebook is uh, hanging around the $500 billion mark. There's just a lot of great smaller companies that are growing faster, have less regulatory risk, and the technicals are a lot better. So neither of these I would buy more of. I would actually not own either of them, actually. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Will crypto's fall continue to parallel the stock market sell-off. Now, for about a year, the crypto market, led by Bitcoin, has remained highly correlated with the moves in equities, particularly tech stocks. So we're going to look at that story. Also, how to think about a retirement portfolio and gearing it towards today's inflationary environment. This is very different. A lot of people focus on downside risk. But there's now upside risk of inflation as well. And so 
it's a new, it's a new regime. People are conditioned to think of risk only as down. And that's not the case anymore. If inflation averages 10% per year, and your portfolio does nothing, it goes flat because you're in cash, for example, one year, not that big a deal. But you do that year after year, a decade later, you're going to be in a world of pain, especially if you're in retirement, uh, pre retirement years, and you don't have the ability to make up that lost real income. So remember, when you're looking at returns of a portfolio, it's not just about the nominal return that you're getting, it's the real return that you're getting. And it's even more prevalent, or more important in today's environment. So we're going to look at what a good pre retirement portfolio would look like. Also, the bond market is having its worst year since 1842. What does that mean? Well, it can mean a good thing. We're gonna look at that. Then lastly, is your advisor independent? Sometimes it's not as easy to tell. We're gonna look at how to how to find some transparency there, whether oftentimes is not. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had quite a broad based sell off, but as we've experienced recently, the growth side of the market really took it on the chin large cap growth down 6.7% today, small cap growth down 6.3 value still was down, but large cap value down 2.06% small cap down 2.85%. So you definitely continue to see that rotation out of growth into value as you you see a Fed that is careening towards a policy error. I don't think they've made that yet, but they've uh, certainly they certainly have hinted uh, at a path that will will create a policy error. And I think that's what the market is freaking out a little bit about. And you're seeing some broad base selling and arc arc again, just taking it on the chin. It's crazy that people are still throwing money into this thing. It just shows you kind of where we at. Uh, we, we're at in the cycle. We're not there yet. Down 9.86%. Still not capitulation, uh, unfortunately. So I do think we we get a CPI number out on Wednesday, and that will be important to see where the market goes for the rest of the week. Now we're heading into a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. 
Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. You are listening to Invest Talk, and the market has been interesting. So you'll have important finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Will crypto's fall continue to parallel stock market sell-offs? And recently, crypto has dipped below, or at least Bitcoin has dipped below the 31,000 mark, down about 10% over the last day uh, or so. Uh, But if you look back since its peak in November, it's down about 53%. And should not be a shock, especially if you consider that was right around the time that the Fed started to pivot their rhetoric to tighten policy, to reverse QE and QE, which they commenced in December, and start the rate hiking process. So that shouldn't be a shock to you. It shouldn't be that that should be understood that crypto and Bitcoin high risk assets are going to be correlated to liquidity conditions that are tied to Fed policy. And crypto has become more and more correlated over the years to equities, particularly tech stocks. Why? Because those that invest in tech stocks are often buyers of crypto, investors in crypto. And so when their portfolios blow up because they were having too much leverage or they were you know, just making bad decisions uh, overall, chasing the, the story as opposed to the fundamentals, it shouldn't be a shock that they, these type of uh, positions are correlated. Margin calls uh, happen and people need to cover them. And oftentimes it's by selling other types of assets that that they own. And many people are, especially newer investors, are not prepared. They're not, they don't understand the cycles that happen. Now, the big question is, where is the bottom? (laughs) Where is the bottom in stocks? Where's the bottom in, in crypto? And I do think this Wednesday's announcement of CPI could be a turning point for Fed policy. If CPI shows that it's just continuing to power higher, that's more fuel that the Fed will continue its rate hiking path and trying to break the back of inflation. But if you start to see a deceleration, especially in the core number, I think that uh, is an indicator that maybe we're closer to the Fed balking than, than not. The headline number is likely to stay relatively elevated. Why? Because energy prices and 
food prices continue to power higher. So commodity prices aren't really budging. But goods, inventories, and supply have definitely helped. They've definitely healed a bit uh, in the first part of this year. How much will that feed into the CPI? We'll see. But Bitcoin is, it, it was originally, not originally, but many times in the past, investors have talked to crypto as a, a non-correlated asset. But as time goes on, it continues to show that it's becoming more and more correlated with broad asset classes like equities and, and growth stocks. Now, technically, it's weak. It's below the $30,000, $33,000 level. And the technicals are just pointing to lower and lower prices. And the big question is, when equities are selling off, will those that are hodling have the conviction when their tech stock portfolios are getting margin called and they need to find some level of liquidity to cover those margin calls? Will those that got unemployment checks and stimulus checks, will they have the conviction to hodl when their bank accounts are no longer being infused by government capital. That's the big question. And that's what you're seeing now is liquidity simply drying up. Now, is it completely gone? No, but it always starts in the most risky assets. It starts at the margins and then accelerates and it's starting to accelerate. And that's what you're seeing here. And that's why you're getting this broad risk off um, sentiment in all types of markets, especially crypto. Now let's pivot to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier on 888.99 chart. Hey guys, it's Trayvon from Alabama. I have a question about a stock and just my portfolio in general. The stock I have a question about is Truly Cannabis, ticker TCNNF. I'm 24 years old, turning 25, and I feel like Cannabis is a growing sector, and that's the one stock I want to have uh, as my, my play as a leader in the U.S. For my portfolio in general, like I said, I'm 24 years old. My thinking is that uh, for the long term, having up these, these big tech companies will be good. Uh, the Facebook, PayPal, Adobe's, and companies like Amazon will be good for me. What's your thought about that? That's a majority of my profile is in. I've been nabbing them up as of late. I just wanted uh, to get your thoughts on that decision. Thank you. All right, looking at True Leave Cannabis, TCNNF. And yes, I do think this is the cannabis space in general is getting pretty washed out. And it peaked along with a lot of the, the, the growth stocks in January, February of last year, and has been on a steady decline ever since. Now, it was very, very overvalued back then, but now it's trading at enterprise value to even about 10. Uh, back in 2020, it was trading about 52 times. So you can see the correction that it's had there. Price to sales ratio now at about 2.2, whereas it peaked right around 12. So I always say when you get the investor appetite just feverish for a particular company or asset class, 
or part of the market and that let's say bubble breaks there's typically about an 80 to 90 percent drop from its high it's just a cycle just the way it goes and this is down about 70 percent now the technicals are starting to get slightly better but it's still in a downtrend in the long term i think uh this is one of the better names it's uh it's it's certainly uh a solid it's one of the better san- uh, cannabis companies it's vertically integrated which i like that uh, it has distribution which i like that uh so you'd have to have a longer term viewpoint on this and the the idea and the hope would be there would be a a reversal in government policy but you would think that under a Republican or excuse me, a Democrat controlled Congress, as well as with Biden in the White House, that there would be some movement here on cannabis and and decriminalizing it, but that hasn't happened yet. So you're just betting on the longer term hope. Now you want a small percentage position in this, nothing huge, um, but I wouldn't be excited about it until the technicals improve, but I do think the fundamentals are fairly solid. Next up, we have a live call. Tim from Washington State wants to talk about Costco. Yeah, hi, Justin. Um, yeah, I just uh, taking a look around and um, thinking about adding uh, either like Costco or Home Depot to uh, adding a little bit, and uh, just wondering what you thought about Costco at the current levels. Why do you want to add Costco and Home Depot? What's your What's your reason here? Um, I don't know. It just seems to be uh, the kind of Costco looked like it kind of leveled off, and um, maybe it was uh, maybe it'd be a good long term hold. Well, I don't know what you mean by leveling off because it's gone in about three weeks from six hundred and. $12 per share to under 500. So down nearly 20% in a week or in a few weeks. Um, so I would not consider that leveling off. And then when you look at the valuation, it's, it's, it's pretty high, uh, especially in relation to history. And it's over earning. I've talked about this many times, is that we are going back to an environment where we spend a lot more on services versus Goods. We binged on goods for two years to improve our homes uh, because we just didn't have the ability to go spend on services. And I just don't think that's going to sustain itself. Uh, and, and you're already seeing that a decline in goods demand. And Costco trades at 23 times enterprise value to EBITDA. It's longer term range is between 12 and 28. Now we're at 23. The average over the past five years is 18. So I think it needs to go down at least 20% from here. So you're talking 400 where it's at 500 today. And honestly, I wouldn't touch this until 350. So this is not the time that you want to be investing in these companies that had that benefited greatly from the pandemic. They were over earning. They've been over earning for two years. And so they're going to look cheap based on the earnings from 2020, 2021. But that's all mean reverting. 
And that means valuations are going to mean revert. And typically it swings. Remember the pendulum? It doesn't stop in the middle. It usually goes the other way. So neither of these, Home Depot with a weakening housing market, less, ca less cash out refinancing and, 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 and uh, home flipping and remodeling, all of these activities are, are going to have already slowed. And you're already seeing that in earnings expectations going forward. And so neither of these companies get me excited to invest in the, in the, in the short to medium term. Now, longer term, are they, going to get, are they good companies to own? Sure. And at some point, I think over the next two, three years, they're going to be probably good buys. But we're not there yet. And I don't think we're close for at least another 20 to 30% down. Thanks for the call. Now, the year is already over one third over. We are in the month of May and the market is evolving. And I've been saying this for a while. This is a new environment. Value over growth. Tangible over intangible. Today over the hopes and dreams of the future. That's what this market is evolving to. And frankly, that's if you look at the history of the market, that's what investing in the stock market is really about. It's about cash flow. It's about businesses. And why is that suddenly going back to that environment? Well, simple, interest rates. When there's a cost of capital, suddenly you actually have to produce things today. It's not about the future anymore. And suddenly the cost of capital is something a lot higher than nothing, which it had been for a long period of time. In an inflationary world, that's what you're dealing with. And so the question is, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Are you taking it on the chin this year because you're still investing for how the market was in 2019 and 2020? Or have you has your portfolio evolved? Well, if you need help understanding where your portfolio sits and if it's set up for success in this new environment, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we provide free complimentary portfolio review assessments via telephone or go to meeting, share screens, get a report to you out, helping you understand whether you're overweight or underweight, the right sectors, the right areas of the market, etc. No obligation, just reach out to us through investtalk.com or give us a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. This is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us as well. We're going to play another caller question in 30 seconds, so hang on. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Faluk, Faluk. Yes. Hi. Uh, hi, Justin. I love your show. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm, I have a question about Google. Okay. Is it a good time to buy it or uh, 
uh, and also which stock it says Google A, B, or C, or which stock it is. This is another example. It, it's it, the, the ebb. This is rolling over. The technicals are terrible. Uh, the fundamentals are weakening. Uh, remember, Google is, if you look at the recent report, you had uh, a decrease in growth in advertising spending, especially in things like YouTube. Uh, and in an environment where it's harder to get particular goods and goods to sell, uh, the economy is slowing, so less spending, it means less advertising. And Google earned $52 a share in 2020, $49 in 2019, and they earned $100 per share last year. And 112 expected this year. Is that going to maintain? What type of regulatory risk does this have? I think pretty high. And I think it's not going to maintain that level of earnings growth, especially think of the cost of capital, all these private equity firms that were funding these startups that were spending money on Google search terms and and, and basically running their uh, running huge ad budgets through Google and their their different platforms. And frankly, I don't think that's going to maintain uh, in this environment. So absolutely not. Uh, not one that I would be investing in right now. So we're heading into a break. So give me a call at 888 Have you heard about Riskalyze? It's a brief question and answer form that you fill out online. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will also get a copy of your responses. They can use the Riskalyze results to help you formulate a strategy that fits your investing risk tolerance. Learn more anytime and take the Riskalyze quiz at investtalk.com. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Guys, great show. Listen every day. I have a question about inflation and wages. We're in an inflation environment and apparently goods and services are going up about 8% a year, but wages are apparently going up about 11% right now. So does that mean that there's really not much inflationary pressure on the consumer or if wages are going up along with inflation? Can you please explain the, the dynamics between wage inflation and also consumer price inflation? Thanks very much. I appreciate you taking my call. Well, there's definitely a correlation there. And I'm not sure which data you're speaking about when it comes to wage inflation. There's definitely different parts of the workforce that are seeing various levels of wage growth. Those that are in the service industry, they're getting a much higher uh, wage growth than those kind of at the higher end. Now, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they don't earn a lot. So you're talking about a low base. So it's easier to grow, you know, have, show a growth there uh, percentage wise. But there is a correlation. Why? Because it takes workers to produce goods and especially services here in the U.S. And so there's a connection there between wages and inflation. Now, ideally, you have wages going up more than inflation, and therefore, real, real income is rising. And I think that's a mixed bag for uh, the U.S. workforce overall. Like I said, some 
have weight growth below that 8% level, others higher. But it's important to understand that wages, wage growth in general, uh, does also push inflation. Like I said, that input into those goods and services. And it puts puts upward pressure on real estate prices. Why? Because what pays for rents and mortgages? Incomes. So whether that income is growing or not in real terms, just incomes going up in general on in nominal terms is going to push real estate prices generally up longer term. That's why if you look longer term, talking 100 plus years, real estate prices tend to go up with income. Shorter term, interest rates, uh, a willingness for banks to lend, those things can skew housing prices. But longer term, it's about income. So hope that helped, helped you give a broad connection of what that looks like. Now, lastly, let's touch a bit on the bond market. And this has been the toughest bond market since 1842. And this is looking at data going back to 1792. Long-term treasury bonds have lost 13 or sorry, 18% through April 30th. The previous record was a 17% loss in the 12 months ending in March of 1980. And this is all I have to do with, once again, inflation and the Federal Reserve's uh, plan to, to hike interest rates. And over long periods of time, bonds can earn better returns than stocks with, uh, with less volatility. But when interest rates are so low, like they were a couple of years ago, it's hard to ever think that they're going to earn reasonable returns. The U.S. bond market in general was yielding about 1% in 2020, post uh, the, the COVID crisis. Now, since 1976, there's over 90% of the average annual return of U.S. bond market comes from interest and in, in reinvesting those, those, that interest. So when you're investing in the bond market, it's about the yield, not looking back at what is done over the past five or 10 years, because a lot of that has to do with interest rate direction. And if you look over the past decade, those falling yields have helped yield, help returns overall. But it's about what does the, what, what kind of yield are you getting today? And the aggregate bond market getting 3.6%, but corporate bonds, they're at their highest level in at least 11 years. So the best risk, risk versus reward in this market in the bond market is definitely high grade corporates. And that's where you're going to get yields that at least uh, probably keep up and probably beat inflation over the longer term. I'm Justin Klein. And this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can get anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And we will prioritize your answer if you leave a question with your review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. 
Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.